0: Log Talk Radio Come on Jay You're supposed to be running this music now Right on cue (laughs) Yeah No kidding (laughs) I miss our Professional disc jockey Yes Well, I know the minute I I start the introduction, it'll kick in. Oh, no, it didn't didn't do it at all. Okay, well, welcome to Feast State Pandemonium for Thursday, July 18th, 2019. This is Michael Norris along with Bobby Simmons and Jerry Oates. It's been a while since we've been on the air. I appreciate everybody's patience with us, but anyway, I'm not going to fool this thing. Now I won't even let me turn it off. But anyway, how are you guys doing this evening?
1: I'm doing good.
2: Me too. Feel great.
0: <laughs> well, I tell you. Welcome to Beach State Pandemonium, a production brought to you. Uh, and the record's skipping. Without even having a record, it's skipping. Welcome to mm-hmm. Beach State Pandemonium, what? a production brought to you by the GWH Radio Network, mm-hmm. where we take you down memory lane for a look at. Unbelievable. We spare no expense for the finest and technical. Equipment. Welcome That's to Beach like State,
2: State Pandemonium,
0: a production brought to you by the GWH Radio Network, mm-hmm. where we take you down memory lane for a look at professional wrestling the way it used to be, mm-hmm. with conversations from those who paved the way. And now, the GWH Radio mm-hmm. Network presents. He's State pandemonium. The state had the hiccups the day he recorded that one.
1: <laughs> that thing, that thing's got timing like some of the guys I've gotten ring
0: with. I'm telling you. <laughs> oh man.
2: Well, anyway.
0: Again, welcome to Peace Day Pandemonium. <laughs> <laughs> First of July 18th, 2019. Oh, man. Oh, man alive. Oh, wow. That
1: thing's not going to come back on, is it?
0: God, no. Stop. Stop. <laughs> and how opening up the business to to everyone uh, changed the business forever. So before we dig into that, you guys got anything you want to uh, bring up, talk about, discuss?
1: Uh, I can't think of anything.
2: Well, just uh, remember Harley Race. He's in the hospital, and uh, he's – uh let's just he he's uh, he had to be hospitalized several hundred miles away from home so it's uh it's kind of a kind of a hardship on him because his family's with him or his wife's with him and i know on his website or on his uh uh they're selling t-shirts and i'm not a t-shirt salesman but i'm just uh they saying all the money that from the t-shirts are selling is going to kind of help defer some of the expense of uh being hospitalized away from home and uh you know, there it is. If you're interested, uh, go to his website and take a look at it and read the read the post. Where was he going? Oh, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm sure it was a you know a, an appearance somewhere. I think that's the only time he travels anymore is uh, you know for a fan festival or something of that nature. Right. And uh, wow. they just said he had a little medical emergency away from home and had to be hospitalized.
0: So, uh, that's
1: a shame.
0: Uh, yeah, I'm
1: surprised with his
0: the health issues he's had here recently that he's even doing those appearances.
2: You know, I don't I don't know unless it's just absolute necessity for him to make those you know from a from a financial or whatever kind of you know he told me one time last time I saw Harley he didn't even know who I was and I and I and you know that's that's understandable. It's been a lot of years since we worked together, but he was the first Booker that I worked for when I came to work for Barnett. And then, after that, when he became the champion uh know I've told the story I probably signed his name more than he did. Uh, you know he'd call me you know once twice a month to send uh you know ten pictures to some deputy sheriff where he had gotten a little uh little little skirmish and
0: uh
2: <clears throat> needed needed you know to smooth the waters so but uh, yeah he's uh I just, uh, you know, he was confined to riding a scooter, you know, when I saw him last. And he just, uh, uh, I don't know. I just, uh, I hate it. But, That's uh,
1: hard to believe.
2: I guess we're all heading that way. Some point or another. I never thought I'd be walking around with a cane, but here I am.
1: It's just uh, it's a good gimmick for you. Yeah. You're like Dandy Jack.
2: Yes, sir. It's been a pleasure. Yours. <laughs>
0: God.
2: Oh. oh, well, I remember. Listen, we were. Uh, uh, remember when he came and worked for Ann in '85? We got him, and he came. He came and yep. uh, did a couple shots. I was like a kid in a store doing those interviews with him, because I can remember how bad as a kid I hated him. He He could talk now. Oh, yes, sir, he could. And uh, we did those interviews, and I loved it. I told him, I said, man, you don't know how much fun this is for me. Uh, I'm doing those things.
1: Where was he living at that time in 85?
2: He was was living in Lilburn or Lithonia. Lilburn, I believe it was. He had been working here for a construction company for years, and nobody knew where he was because when he dropped out of sight, he just dropped out and then i don't I don't know how that that bill came to be when he came and worked for us on shots, but you know we were just we were uh, we were grasping at straws, and none of us knew it <laughs> at the time but uh, uh i i'll I'll go to my grave thinking she was just trying to get somebody to sue her to get her to stop again but uh, it was
0: uh, was what it was yep that business was uh, changed so much in eighty five I don't I don't know who she thought would would even be bothered by her running well i
2: see I don't know either, of, you,
0: she she had some,
2: you know I loved her to death, but she she had some strange ideas well, if
1: anybody ever got a wrong deal, it was her yeah i agree oh, absolutely i agree uh, he did, but, but you know, his, his death, his death, and Eddie Graham's death changed the business forever.
2: Yes, it did.
1: That's it what did. I
2: believe. It did, it did. They were the, uh, they were the, they were the backbone of what was going on at the time.
1: They uh, nobody fooled with them.
2: No, they did nobody.
1: And that was that was that was kind of the beginning of the end for what we knew. Yes. Of course it did last a little while longer, but it was we were right there in the middle of it.
2: Well, like like we've talked about, it was an it was a godsend for me. It paved the way for me to get in the business. But 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 you know, it just it destroyed you know the fans here were the winners in that situation' cause for of about two, they were well, about a year and a half, not not the full two years, but for a year and a half uh, they were getting the best of both worlds, man they were seeing the people they knew on Tuesdays and Ann's show, and then they were getting all this stuff all these people they had read about in the in the bitch in the the magazine on Friday nights. So, and
1: it took a while to turn that other one around. I mean, because it is.
2: nobody, you know, there was nothing. It was just nothing. Well, you know, I think that proves a the theory that we've talked about on this show. You know, back in the day, the things that drew money were when there were personal issues between right. people. And when uh, when when we when the split came and all the talent, or the all of it but a couple of you guys went with Ann, all the personal issues went too that they'd been watching on TV.
1: Uh, they, they they had to overcome that.
2: So yes, sir. Yep. And and then uh, when the, you know, it, you're right. It took a while, but once they developed, once Watts came in here and stayed, and he developed some things with Tim Woods, and they brought two in, and he got into some some different personal issues. And one of the things in that two year stretch that, that I think might have been the thing that turned the tide was when they switched John Hill. And they did the program with him and Tim. Right. You know, because that was very personal. And and that's they uh yeah, it was the fans were the winners there.
1: But it yeah, it was it was a
2: hoot. Yeah. Well, God that seems like well I guess Never. it was so long ago. That's because 50- I
0: don't know <laughs> so that he would know. Is being. Um, I know the other promoters, especially Eddie Graham, of course, he had. He had. Points. i wondering how the. Hey,
2: hey, Michael, I don't know if you can hear us or not, but you're breaking up real bad.
0: I'm sorry. I was just wondering how the other promoters felt at sending there was, I'm not putting it out the way, but sending other, you know, guys to, to fill in court, you know, to, to paint how they felt about it. Oh, did anybody ever even talk about that?
1: You both look pretty you bad, but I know, I know what you're asking. No, I mean, uh, I think they all supported that. I mean, that's what I've gathered. I mean, Eddie would come up here and, you know, they, you know, of course, they wasn't going to disrupt what they were doing either. Right. By any stretch. So, I mean, they, you know, they would send, um, I know Matt Suda came up here and they, you know, he probably wasn't being pushed at that time. And they just gradually did it. But no, I, I think they all, I never heard anything like that. Did you,
2: Bobby? No, it was the n w a they closed ranks, you know, I dare somebody down there try yeah. to steal our business, and that's the way they looked at it and yeah, they no they didn't mind sending folks in here and and you I know some they, of those guys would come in on Fridays and be gone but right yeah, it was uh, no I
1: think, they uh, i I think that they looked at it like this if that could happen here in Georgia, it could happen to us, sure, you know, yeah, so I think that's. Yeah. One one reason they, yeah, they, I know. Of course, uh, well, of course, Bobby was there. They would bring in, announce some talent, and I'm sure they wouldn't have announced it if it wasn't coming. And they got to him and stopped different guys from coming. But, the but, two
2: biggest ones I remember, uh, you know. Of course, we plugged Mascaras, and he showed up, and and he and didn't dude, care. Mascaras no, didn't care. No, and and of course, when he got here. And the people saw him they oohed and odd when he took the jacket off. But then they seen him as in ring stuff and he it wasn't what we were used to here. No. And then and then the, we promoted uh uh they announced that uh, Eduardo Capantier was coming here. And we booked him he was booked in the main event on Tuesday in Atlanta and he no showed. So somebody got to him. And the other one the yeah. one that really got me they promoted Bruno San Martino coming here. Again, put him in the main event on a Tuesday night in Atlanta, and he no-showed. So, uh, you know.
1: You know, and, and I look back at 85. I mean, why would he have cared? Yeah. Unless somebody yeah. paid him not to come,
2: you know. Right. And that yeah. Somebody and I'm sure. Yeah. Well.
0: Yeah, it was a yeah, uh, – Once
2: that,
0: once that, that started – you know,
2: plus, plus we got to uh, – you know and, and it is what i've said you know we got to the point where we were we couldn't get talent and and when when you can't rotate your talent you know you're you're fighting, you're beating a dead horse did you know anybody that got hurt by that i don't by, really no by not really working I don't for Gunkel. no 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 it's like I know there was you know it, yeah, yeah, we're going to blackball you. We're going to do this. All when, right. When, when we shut down on Friday night, when we were told that was it, they called a meeting for 9 o'clock on Saturday morning. And the, the meeting was, and they told everybody, look, Barnett's going to be there. And if you want to go somewhere and you don't have any contacts anymore or, and this was basically for the guys I think that had been here a while, <laughs> And you know the top guys, Rock Hunter and, and, and Joe Hamilton, and none of those guys showed up for that. You know they didn't need that. And uh, but you know some of the underneath guys showed up. And Barnett, I know he sent some to Kansas City and he sent some to Texas, and uh, you know, or he got a booked. And uh, you know just, if you could if you could make a promoter money, they didn't care.
1: Of course, they didn't care. No, they didn't care.
2: You know, years ago, I've heard, well,
1: uh,
2: I hate to even mention this name, but Charlie Smith has told me. One of the funny things that always happened every week was on Monday or Tuesday at the wrestling office, they would get a uh, a blacklist letter from Mick Goulas. You know, we're going to blacklist <laughs> this guy, and we're going black, to blackball this guy, don't use this guy. And, you know, Smitty said, you st- throw it in the garbage can. You know, if the guy can make me money, I'm going to use him. So, yeah, that was a – I don't think anybody was hurt from that whole deal as far as working. Well, think about it. Hey,
0: two, years, two years after all South went down, or not, not even two years, about a year and a half, you know, the IWA started yeah. up, Ox Baker, Ernie Ladd, Bob Ellis, all who had worked for Ann, went right over there to them. And they that, that, that didn't hurt them either.
1: No, no of course it didn't. That was all a bunch of, you know, junk. You have know, somebody grow you money, they don't care. Oh, yeah. And what exactly. should they care?
0: Exactly.
1: And, and and I don't begrudge the guys for doing it.
0: Because no, all they you know, they do they is take, take care of your your family family. And, and earn it.
1: And, you know, they're making a living, you know. But, yeah, I, I never... Yeah, and Ernie worked
0: for everybody. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, was a, and As, it was a draw for everybody. Yeah, yeah. He could well, do a lot Bob of stuff for a big Bob man. Ellis
2: did, too, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, Ellis, he, he, yeah, he was. I never met the man, but I remember seeing him in magazines forever.
2: Yep. Well. He's the first guy I ever saw uh, touching up the ball spot on his head. <laughs> but he did it with black shoe polish. Uh, it, he you know, was, uh, that, that, that improved later on with the sprays and whatever, but that black shoe polish would come off the first time you headlocked him. <laughs> <laughs> Is he still living? Yeah. I don't. I think yep. he is. I'm not sure. I
0: hadn't heard about him dying. I think he, I, I had not heard of anything of him passing away. I know he had, somebody was, was peddling a book about him or supposedly a book about him a couple of years ago, but I don't think it ever saw the light of day.
1: Well, God, I mean, there's nobody who would know who he is, anyhow.
2: No, not, not now. Anymore. But he, he was no. a star in his day, though. Oh, don't think he will. Oh, won. absolutely.
1: It's funny how things, you know, go away
0: like that. He and Bruiser were probably had the hottest feud in the late fifties, early sixties, and they carried all across. it worked everywhere with it.
1: yeah, that was smart business, there, wasn't it?
0: And Ellis was was back in the days before steroids he was probably had the the best natural build of a guy mm-hmm. as far as you know look good and everything
2: he, he, he was, was he, he was tall
0: buddy. yes he was he was tall I was going to say he was about right. six four six five and 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 probably a good two fifty five two sixty but was yeah, he was an impressive looking was, guy
1: very he impressive. Uh, Who was he? I know those trunks you supposed to say, right?
2: Oh, yeah, a little like cow, cow skin. And, and he, I don't know, know where he had
1: those things made then.
2: They were, they were, uh, I mean, he was, yeah, he was, uh, <clears throat> I remember first time, well, <clears throat> first time I met him, I refereed his match. He came into Atlanta for Ann, and uh, I think he worked, he might have been working with Ox, I can't remember, but, uh, yeah, it was a, uh, and, and he was he was a good-looking fellow, man. The ladies loved him. Very handsome. Very handsome. Man. Yeah.
0: Even with all the, that, those blade scars on him, because he loved to bleed.
2: Yeah, he did. They said that uh, yeah. I remember Kelly talking about he, he booked him in there to be his partner, you know, the Cowboys, and he showed up bald-headed, wanted to be a heel. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I was going to say the the one and only appearance he ever made, Mobile. He came in in, in seventy six, and uh, they, Kelly was they had, Kelly knew him from working when when Kelly had left Mobile and was working for uh, working for Bruiser. Of course, you know Ellis was was Bruiser one of Bruiser's top stars up until the end, but uh, he um, he'd gotten to know him and. and was brought him the Mobile, was going to work an angle with him where, you know, he brought him as his, as his you know, hero and mentor and, and all that stuff. And then <laughs> Ellis shows up with his head shaved and, you know, he worked one match. He worked uh, worked against Ken Lucas one night in Mobile and he worked heel, and that was it. What, Ken what, Lucas Kevin and Ellis. Yep.
1: Good yep. grief.
0: Can you imagine that?
1: No, I cannot.
0: Five-foot-seven-inch. <laughs> Ken Lucas working babyface against a six-foot-five-inch heel Bob Ellis. I can't. Of course, the fans in Mobile, except, except for ones that, did, that may have read about him and had no clue as to who he was. And the whole thing got over like a popcorn fart, and Kelly said to blew, blew his whole his whole program, and he told Ellis he didn't need him anymore after that.
2: I, uh, I, can, I can imagine that, because I refereed. to I know, gonna Don Don know what, I know what you're going to say. Don Serrano and Ernie Ladd.
0: No, I, know, no, I thought you were going to say. Ernie Ladd uh, and Super Soul Davis. <laughs> <laughs> I well, thought you were going to say. Don Serrano.
2: Uh, Don Serrano and Ernie. Yeah, people came when with Soul Davis. Or that was the name he was using, yeah. yeah.
0: Oh. And even, even with the built-up shoes, he was still only about four foot three.
2: Yeah, he was a tiny fellow. Yeah. But there again, see, that was near the he end of the road. He was a of heck, heck run, of a worker, and,
0: though. He was an heck yeah. of a heck worker. Through a beautiful project. Oh,
1: kick. <laughs> yeah, he was. Uh, it's, it's, uh... All that was just, uh... I don't know, but the reason it lasted as as good as it did was on account of Tom.
2: Yeah, it was. Tom Tom could manipulate. He he he. Uh, that was the word Tom used. He never said he was a booker. He said he was a he manipulated the matches is what he would say. But uh, he he had a he had a he had a mind like a steel trap when it come to
1: he he did that.
2: Figuring things, things
1: out. out. <laughs> where was the first place he did booking?
2: Oh God, I don't know. I don't know where the first place was. I don't either. He, uh, I know he, I know he booked for La in California, and he booked. He, of course, he booked. He booked for Gouless, and he booked for. He booked for the Sheik.
0: When did he start booking Atlanta? Wait a minute. They
2: came back in here in...
1: The late
2: 60s. Late 60s, or right around, yeah, 68, 69, 70, somewhere in somewhere there. Somewhere in there.
1: That's okay. when he was the booker.
0: Okay. He was, Not- he probably... His first booking was probably when they were out with McGurk in Oklahoma in sixty five, sixty six, something like that. Uh, you see, I never first knew that. First big program Jack Bresco ever. Yeah, first big program Jack Briscoe was in. It was ever in. He he and Haystack Calhoun worked uh, worked a program with with Tom and Jody. That had well, to really? sixty five or sixty six.
2: I'll tell you something as a fan that lived here my whole life. I can remember going to the auditorium. We always sit in the general admission, and they only sold those tickets on Friday nights. They didn't sell them early. And box office opened at 6.30, and the matches started at 8.30. I can remember walking up at eight fifteen, ten 10 after 8, buying a general admission ticket with my uncle, going upstairs and having no problem finding a place to sit. After time of course, now I didn't know this at the time, but now that I look back on it, when Tom came in here and took the book, and things changed, if you didn't get there by seven thirty on Friday nights, General Mission was sold out.
1: is that something? Who was yes, doing sir. the booking before before he took it over then?
2: Garibaldi was doing it, and I don't know if Garibaldi left and somebody came in in the interim. Uh, I know Garibaldi when he had. You know, when he brought the rest, Mr. Wrestling thing in here and he did some other stuff, He, uh, Garibaldi drew some good crowds there. And I can remember sellouts where, you know, I can remember as a kid having to stand up because there wasn't no place to sit. But they were rare, yeah, they, were, they weren't every week. When Tom took it after about three months of programming it, but it was every week it was selling out.
1: Yeah, he had a mind on him. He did do that.
0: I know. Look, did, did little. I'm assuming Little Eagle booked in here at some point. He did. In the yeah, he he did. did. He
1: did. That was. That was. I'll tell you when that was. Sixty three, sixty four, somewhere in there, Bobby.
2: Yeah, it would have been. I mean, it was early sixties.
0: There again, one Best of those stories I, know, I wasn't he was booking. He was booking Mobile in 66. Really? Yeah. So he left here and went there? Yeah. He he went out of Mobile. He had been in and out of Mobile since 56, 57, something like that. And that's not that. That wasn't even the first name he used. That was the first name he used in Mobile, but he worked in Louisiana in '53 or '54 as Chief Big Beaver. Oh, really? Yeah, he always did an Indian gimmick, but it just somewhere, yeah. somewhere along the line, he changed to Little Eagle, and he came into Mobile the first time in the mid '50s as Little Eagle, and that's what he that's what he stayed the rest of the time. When well, he was in and out.
2: He he. He wasn't a big fellow
0: either. Uh no, he
2: wasn't. I mean, he was. You, you he know, was very stocky, but he was not a big fellow. wasn't very tall. You know, I never heard anybody talk much
1: about him. I don't know what kind of fellow I, I. I'm trying to think who. Didn't care for him too much. I, I
0: Came and Black hated each other. I was going to say That's Fred Blassie, because Fred Blassie's the one that when they He's had the, the, one did the, the Cadillacs, it looked alike.
2: They bought right. Cadillacs <laughs> the same week, and neither one knew the other. They bought one. And uh, they were uh, they were going to Hoganville on on uh, Saturday night, and Blassie got on TV and said, don't y'all be messing with my new burgundy Cadillac, and blah, 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 blah. And then Blassie called a ride with somebody, and Little Eagle drove down there, and they said they cut the tires off that thing. <laughs> Good.
1: That's a dangerous place.
0: <laughs>
1: oh, but he pushed himself. I know that.
2: Yeah. Did he?
0: Did he ever? Did his wife ever work in here? Venus? I don't.
2: I don't remember her ever working here.
0: She was from Pensacola.
1: His name was, was Richard. Something wasn't it.
0: Charles Richard Bryant.
2: Bryant. Yeah. What? Richard Charles Bryant. Charles Bryant. Yeah. Bryant. Richard Bryant. Richard Bryant. That oh, was Richard. A, yeah,
0: Charles, that's right. Maybe, maybe Richard, Richard Charles Richard, Bryant. Richard, Richard. You're right. Richard Bryant. I knew it was Richard or something. <laughs> I couldn't. I yeah.
1: never met the man. I never met him, so I don't know.
2: He came in here working worked a time he, or two for Ann during that 72 did he year. really? Yeah, he was here a couple of times. Uh, I this before I started refereeing, I wasn't in the ring with him, but he was here, uh, a couple three shots. He they kept promoting he was coming in, but he didn't stay. Well, Lord, was he, he, was he still was he still in the business? In I you know I don't know if he came in here with the with the I don't know if he was working anywhere or if that was the intention to come in here and maybe make one last hurrah or what, but. It uh,
0: he never after he left Mobile in '66. He never came back.
1: In '66, so I know he he
0: he worked down in Florida, and, and sometime around '63, '64, something like that, he was down in Tampa. Um, but that 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 coming in here and for Ann in, in the early '70s had to been his last hurrah because he and Vinny, they divorced somewhere along the line, and he ended up out in Dallas. And uh, he had a ranch out there, and he hired a, he hired some homeless guy to uh, do odd jobs on his ranch. And the guy ended up murdering him. Oh, come on! No, that's absolute truth. That was in. I did not. Uh, I did not know right. that. That was in eighty. tell not exactly when it was.
2: I had never. No Did you
1: know that, sure. I didn't know that either. Good grief! Yeah, I, I I never met the man, so I you know I don't. I never ran across him. Of course, he's ahead of me, but yeah.
0: No, it's even later now. July seventh, nineteen ninety. Somebody murdered dealing. him on his own place. Yep. He was living in hmm. urban Texas.
1: Well, that's that's news to me. I, I didn't know well, that. His,
2: his son uh, lived in Pensacola. He came to our reunion a few times.
0: far as I know he still lives that, there. I, I haven't talked to him in a while. I think I talked does, to him right after that, Venus
2: died. Does that still exist? What's that? what's that? The
1: Mobile Reunion.
0: Well. <laughs> don't like support, but it's. <laughs> yeah,
2: it's it's supposedly still there. It's, uh, we, uh, <clears throat> I don't know. It's kind of, it's, it's very up in the air right now is what's going on. But supposedly we didn't have it last year because, uh, what I have been told is that a lot of the board of directors resigned at the last minute, and uh, uh, they wasn't sure about the status of the building. And uh, we uh, anyway, it didn't come off. But this year, supposedly, it's going to come off the first or second weekend in March. And uh, I'm not sure who will, you know, how many will be there. Or whatever. Uh, they're also they have formed another group that's going to hold a reunion in Dothan on the third weekend of May. And uh, it's going to be uh, a Friday night and a Saturday. And they're going to put it in conjunction with a show that Dennis Gale runs, a Continental Reunion show on Saturday nights that draws pretty decently. I've been to it a couple times. And uh, well, they've got a big weekend planned. But, yeah, Mobile supposedly is going to be there. The problem with Mobile is, is all the old-timers, have have passed away the ones that we used to go see i was told by by a guy down there i made the comment i said you know the the, the old timers that i came to see are not there anymore and he said well y'all are the old timers now they come to see y'all well not very many the last saturday we the last one we had on saturday we had 143 people and we had as many as 350 there on saturday so been, well out of that
1: 140 something
2: how many was in the business in our era? Oh, see, that's the thing. Me and Charlie Smith and Gene Bennett, <laughs> Mack McMurray, uh, Susan Green, Joyce Grable, uh, Donna Christian came, not Donna, she passed away. Uh, Tony Rose came to the last Tony one. Rose. First time I've seen Tony in years. Um Tommy Siegler came. There was a handful. It wasn't many. Not many at all. I
1: can't. I can't even imagine. I mean, I, that is Frankie still alive? Frankie Kane?
2: Yes, he is. Yeah. Yep. Still lives there. He lives in Florida. Scott Teal goes down, spends a week with him every year, uh, in, in early February first of March. I say a week. He spends three or four days with him.
1: I always like Frankie. Me
2: too. There's another. There's another mind that's got so many stories and so many things inside that head. That uh, when he's yep. gone, man, that's a great part of our business gone.
1: Yeah, he was. Uh, he was something else.
2: Funny. He was. I love to hear him tell stories about the about the uh, the uh, Inferno era. I mean, they were, but they were hot there for a few years. I don't think
1: they weren't. (laughs) They 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 were.
2: I I I I had a chance to get to know Jimmy Dykes a little bit there. Uh, What what we lost him way too. What a great guy. And that's was another one I hated when I was a kid. Oh, he oh yes. Lord, he was funny. (laughs) I mean, I I know you've heard me tell the story. The funniest thing that ever happened some woman threw a fruitcake on Columbus TV and hit him in the nose with it. And and that, <laughs> he told me, some somebody threw a brick at me. And I pulled that fruitcake <laughs> out of my trunks. I said, did it look like this? And so the dressing <laughs> room fell apart. <laughs>
1: yeah, that was him. <laughs> oh. Hole's slinky now.
0: Oh
2: he don't you know. I'm his not sure. Late '80s, I would think.
1: Got to be in his '80s, yeah. Huh? Oh yeah, I mean, Dickie's '85.
2: You ever hear Frankie tell the story about the about the built-up shoe and how him and no. him and, him and Rocky used to fuss over who was gonna wear it because they said he just missed you walking up for a week after you took it off. I can see that. Yeah, me
1: too. That had to have been the most uncomfortable thing. Oh.
0: Well, Curtis. When Curtis started doing it in Mobile, is when he was the Blue Yankee, and of course he later teamed with Rocky as the second iteration of the of the Infernos, and then he had a a slew of partners himself. He and Doug Gilbert were the Infernos, but what he did was the the. Uh, The built-up shoe was on what the left foot. Uh, Was it right foot? Whichever didn't have the built-up shoe, he took and and took a flip-flop and cut the the thongs off of it and slid it in the other shoe. That way, he was lifted up and he was more even. You know, he was even. He said that. that makes sense. That kept him from having a bad back. (laughs) Uh, They wouldn't mess your back. the hips up, really. Oh yeah.
2: I tell you something else Frankie did too that, that nobody else I've ever seen could you know, he developed some way that he could throw that fire. He could throw it across the ring. And and I've never seen anybody else do that. Most of the time it just blazes up out of the hand. But he developed a way to throw it and he won't tell anybody how he did it.
1: Well, he could do it.
2: Yes he could.
1: He lit me up in Fort Worth one night. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <sighs> That's scary, isn't it? coming yeah, you know, you know, at you. <laughs> no, you
1: know, everybody talks about their era and their generation, and they got. But I think our generation had so much talent. I mean, that sounds cocky, I guess, but it did. Yeah. Like it, it was it was just and all territories w- were doing good, you know. Yep.
0: Yeah, and it was a it was a it was, good blend too. And I'm saying this about you guys too, uh, era, because you guys were a decade ahead of me. But you had a good blend of guys like Frankie who'd been around since the '50s. You know, guys like yourself, yourselves that came along, you know, in the 70s, and, uh, you know, but those guys were still in good enough shape and were still believable enough, you know, and then then you even had the Frank Hickey's of the world who were still hanging on,
1: you know. But you're talking about guys like Frankie even as early as he started. When I got in the business, they was in their best years.
0: Yep. Yeah, because those guys didn't movement. really hit their strides until so they were 40-something.
1: That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. It was
0: unbelievable.
2: It was just unbelievable. And we had those guys to learn from. They taught us.
1: The, the, that's, that's how you learn. Oh, that's you how you learn.
2: Keep your mouth shut and listen. <laughs> no.
1: That was, that was, it was, of course, everybody thinks their era was, but I, I, I just. If you look at all the territories that was running,
2: everybody mm-hmm. was doing business
0: mm-hmm. well this
2: is a, this is an only philosophy, but I think it proves what you're saying. We were running the same towns week after week after week in front of the same people week after week after week, and we drew money i say we i was a referee, I didn't draw a dime, but was part we, of it we yeah, it we is. were making money uh People were coming to see what we had, uh, you know. And, and now they talk about all the money they draw and all the money they make. Uh, you know, they'll run one town in uh, wherever, and then they're gone for six months or a year. Or a year. Uh, and and you know, you take, you know, you've talked about Augusta, Georgia. You look at the money that was made in Augusta, Georgia, on a weekly basis.
1: On a Monday night.
2: On a Monday night, we would... Barnett set up an account, a bank account in Augusta so that Charlie Harbin did not have to bring the money all the way back to Atlanta. He would deposit the money in a night depository. Policemen would go with him. He would deposit the money in the night depository. And then the next day, uh, Barnett had the checkbook. He kept that in his apartment. He would bring me a blank check on Monday morning when we were doing payroll. And then he he would sign it. And then on... Tuesday, he would call me with the dollar figure, and I would write it in the check and deposit it. Every week, I mean, a bad week, I was depositing $4,000. Good week, I would deposit $7,000. So there was was a lot of money being made in that one town. Columbus, uh, Georgia, every Wednesday night. You know, population-wise, other than the Army base, Columbus really wasn't that big. You know, I mean, they kind of... They kind of look at the, the whole Muskogee County area. But, you know, look at the money it was made on Wednesday nights in that building.
1: But did you know people came from LaGrange?
2: Oh, Newcola, yeah. Everywhere.
1: Everywhere.
2: That was the power of that it, TV.
1: And uh, the the uh, my thinking is that couldn't be done again until the end of time so nobody would know how to do it. No, no. Well, no. and you couldn't do it anymore because of what buildings cost, right? And what you have to charge for admission—it just—it's—it's it's just a different time. You could—you couldn't do it. I don't think you could do it.
2: I had to go up and do a memorial service in Fort Mitchell several weeks ago, and I went down. I actually went down Victory Drive, but when I got down there, it just looking down that little little driveway and seeing that big fancy building there, you know. I really, I can't see them making as much money with that big fancy building as they did with that old one. They don't. I don't and,
1: think they do and, either. What they, did, what they did there in Columbus and what they're doing here in Savannah, I wanted to go down to the city council and tell them they want to build like a 10,000 seat building. Well, you, 10,000 seats, that sounds like a lot from where the auditorium would hold five. Yeah. Like that's on the floor yeah. and everywhere. Yeah. But you're not going to get any big groups to come to a 10,000-seat civic summit. They're not going to do it. They're just not going to do it. It costs them just as much to go to Columbus as it does to Phillips Arena or wherever they run up in Atlanta now. They're not going to do that. They're not going to draw that kind of money. If you don't have a 15, 16, 17,000-seat building, you're kidding yourself. But then again... The, the guy—I don't remember the guy's name—Bobby that ran the the Bell in Augusta when they built that new place in uh, uh, in Augusta. What do yeah. they call it?
2: Richmond County Civic Center. It's he James Brown thing, Coliseum now.
1: He said it sits dark. He said it sucks the money out of the
2: city. Yeah.
1: It just sits, and you still got to keep it up. Yes, sir. You, you, it don't it don't it don't float. It don't float. And I don't know what how much that building in Columbus does, you know, what they have down there. But see, back in our day a little fella could go rent that building. It was four hundred dollars or ten percent.
0: Hmm.
1: So you figure. Now, somebody wanted me to run a civic center there in Columbus when they built that new one. I said, I tell you Boy. what. You, you go down there and get a sheet on it to see what it costs to run it. Oh yeah, I forgot how many cops you had to have. Minimum of whatever, mm-hmm. uh, had to have so many cops. You had to have an ambulance down there. You had to. It was ten grand. Open the door in Columbus. Yes, sir. Ten grand. The Omni
2: so in you Atlanta. i
1: grand and him sold a
2: ticket. Yep, the Omni in Atlanta was. Uh, you had, you had to pay all the ushers. You had to pay the security and the lighting guys. Secu- in addition to, in addition to security, we had our own security guys. Lieutenant Wright had about 10 guys that we paid. They were the guys that sat around the ring and got us to and from the ring. And, and, uh, so that was in addition. We had, uh, you had to pay the ticket sellers. You had a box office fee because, Ticketmaster printed your tickets and they sold them online or however they sold them there for a while, you know, up until the show. Um, I forget all clean, clean up. I mean, it was it was you were looking at about same thing ten to twelve thousand dollars to open the door, and the rent on the Omni was was like eighteen percent. It kidding. was expensive. No, it was high. Uh, what what what
1: did ticket Ticketmaster get per ticket?
2: They they charged a service charge that we didn't get any of. They got all of that. But they charged us like, you know, it wasn't a lot of money. It was like 12 cents a ticket, something like that, for everyone they sold. Uh, plus there was a box office fee because somebody had to program it, somebody had to print them out. Because we had hard tickets at the, uh, you know, if you go see – uh Say so you go see Queen or Elvis Presley or whoever it was, all of their tickets were were computer generated. They didn't have to print them. In right. our case, we continued to run our box office at the sports arena. We had our regular ticket holders that we had to have, uh, you know, we had to be able to get their tickets for them. So they had to print ours. So that was, you know, that was a little expense that we had too. But, uh, I mean, I can remember especially around Thanksgiving when we would draw those big houses for those tag team tournaments uh I would call on Thanksgiving morning and say, "Hey, I'm about out of general admission. I need another two thousand tickets, and they'd tell me to be there in an hour and I'd go over and they'd have them printed out for me, and I'd bring them back to the arena.
1: No so, kidding.
2: yeah, it was you know it was kind of on demand, but it was uh, Thanksgiving was always our biggest show that was the first time we ever drew a hundred thousand dollars on a Thanksgiving show. I think we did one hundred and three thousand
1: back in the day.
2: Back in the day, but you thought you would have thought it was a ticker tape parade at that office on Friday morning when we realized, we, you know, when when Barnett and everybody realized we'd broke a hundred thousand. Of course, out of that hundred thousand, you know, they took God, I don't know, twenty three thousand, maybe something like that. And I'm guessing I used to have some box office reports. I don't know what happened to them, but. Uh, yeah they they took a pretty good chunk
1: yeah I can't imagine what these big buildings cost today i can't I can't even find them
2: well, a lot of these major buildings around the country the reason they're able to survive is the city has a hockey team or a basketball team a basketball team plays plays i think they play eighty two games so they play forty one at home, so you got forty one dates that are filled. <laughs> You know, then you then you used to have ice shows, you had circuses, you know, those things are kind of gone by the wayside. I think Disney still has an ice show that comes in, you know, maybe once a year. Uh, and then you have the concerts. But unless you've got those things, you know, when your building's sitting there dark and there ain't nobody's in it, you still have to pay the light bill and the gas bill and the air conditioning bill, and it... uh
1: do 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 they cut these uh, basketball teams and hockey teams and any slack?
2: I'm sure they do. They they just about have to. I'm not sure what it what it would be, but I'm sure they have to. For that many dates.
1: That's big business. I I, I just, whoo. I don't know.
2: But if you got some hot, they'll come see it. You know. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know, again, only, only, maybe this was in his book, or maybe just in conversations we've had. You know, you'd run the Omni. Maybe you didn't, you didn't have something that was real hot that they didn't want to see, and you run it on a Sunday, especially after the auditorium closed here, and they were trying to run the Omni once every three weeks, or, you know. Maybe you have an off night and you you, you only draw thirty
0: five
2: thousand dollars. Well, you know a sellout at the city auditorium in Atlanta was twenty six thousand dollars. That's what the gross was, or a little under twenty six. But and what was the
1: rent? <laughs>
2: we had we had a deal with the city. We paid five hundred dollars a week, flat rate. The agreement was we furnished our own We furnished our own ushers, which is how I kind of got started. That's the first job I had at the auditorium. We got paid $10 for being an usher. So if we had 15 ushers or 20 ushers, that's $200. And we paid our own security, which was the little uh, Lieutenant Wright. uh, He he furnished officers. And the deal we had with them was we paid them, uh, I think we gave them $35 a piece. Plus we paid their social security. So they cost us around fifty five dollars a piece. But you worked at auditorium, you didn't ever have no problem getting in and out of the ring. No. So, I mean they were uh you know, they did when they if you if you remember when them guys sat in them corners at ringside, they didn't sit facing the ring and watch the match, they sat with their backs to the ring and watched the crowd. So uh, but yeah, that was the deal to Auditorium, and uh, of course Auditorium had a had a concession. They, were, they had a concession here that contracted with them. They ran the concession, and uh, all we sold at Auditorium was programs. But. Well,
1: uh, five hundred bucks rent.
2: Five hundred bucks rent, and we had it every we had it every Friday night of the year, except when. Holiday on Ice came in in February, which, hell, I was a hustler, man. I got a job working for Paul Andre, who was the comedy skater and the thing selling cotton candy. But I worked for them for a couple weeks. And then you had the Shrine Circus came in in April, and they were there for eight or ten days. And then high school graduations were there May and the early part of June. And we had it every other week. And that was holidays, whatever it you know. Right. There was no no reason we wasn't in there. Other than those days.
1: That's unbelievable. Unbelievable. And those ticket prices.
2: Yep. And you know they used to run they used to run the sports arena when they couldn't get the auditorium back in the day.
1: I, only remember only that, I remember
2: all, that building. it only held about twenty five hundred people, and uh you know they would they would run it because that was before the Omni was built. There was no other building in town to run in. I always found it amazing that a city of this size only had that city auditorium and uh, of course Georgia Tech had a building, but you couldn't have got in there on a bet and uh other than other than that, that was pretty much it. Well,
1: it's hard to believe, isn't it? when is that new building they run other than Phillips Arena? Uh up, at, in you Gwinnett, know huh? up in Gwinnett. Yeah. What's it called?
2: Yeah. It's uh oh crap. It, Infinity Arena or something at Gwinnett. I thought, is I it a big building? It'll seat about ten thousand. It's the size of building Is you're talking about. Is New York about. runs? Do what? Is that where New, New York, New York runs? has ran up there? They've ran there and they've ran Phillips Arena. Most time they run Phillips. Oh, they do. But they have run that Gwinnett Arena, yes.
1: But how, how many does that, that Phillips Arena seat versus Omni? About the same thing. The biggest
2: about sixteen thousand. About sixteen thousand. The biggest difference. The biggest difference in Phillips and the Omni, of course the shape's a little different, but the biggest difference is there are a lot more private boxes at Phillips Arena than there are there were at the Omni. Oh, okay. That that was the main reason they gave for building the new arena was more private boxes to generate more revenue.
1: And they're both in the same location.
2: Same location. They employed that. No. They imploded the Omni and they uh, uh, rebuilt this one right on top of right on the spot. I've been in it one time and I won some tickets on the radio to a concert. And this is, this is, God, this was before Debbie got real sick. So this is probably 15 years ago or 10 years. Well, I tell you when it was. It was in 2006. And the reason I remember is the tickets I won was to see Paul McCartney and it was the 40th the day was the 40th anniversary of when they, the Beatles played Atlanta Stadium and they they ran, that that morning they ran a special on the front page of the paper and they showed a replica of the ticket from 1966 when the Beatles played the stadium ticket prices were $6, Six 66 but you know 66 has a lot of money for a ticket right anything cuz when the Falcons came here in 66 Our season tickets for the year wasn't but $48. It was $6 a game. But the night I saw Paul McCartney, me and Debbie went, it cost us, both of us round trip on the MARTA train, cost us $5 or $10, whatever it was. Uh, The face value of the tickets that I won on the ticket, it said they were $296 a piece.
1: I guess it was packed.
2: Oh yeah, they're hanging from the rafters. Programs, forty-five dollars a piece. t shirts seventy-five dollars a piece. Oh come on, Bobby. Yes, sir. It's crazy. I told Debbie. I said. Uh, I said. Uh, you know, you want anything? She said, I want a pretzel, and a coke. That was nine dollars. That's all she got. <laughs> <laughs> so it was. You know, I mean, I enjoyed it. I'm glad. I I, I never saw any of the Beatles in person. I enjoyed it, but. You know that's the only time i have been. I can't afford to go. They've outpriced themselves. Do do they uh, have
1: anything where the Falcons play now in that new uh, stadium? What do they have in there?
2: Well, the soccer team plays there, and it sells out every game.
1: It does not.
2: Yes, sir.
0: Yes, it does, yes,
2: sir. Yes, sir. the really? United, son, they draw. <clears throat> they they draw about sixty-five or seventy thousand fans every time they open the door. And uh, the they moved the you know used to they had the Georgia State High School playoffs in the Georgia Dome and in the first year uh, that that the uh, this new one was open they played there well they moved them now they're playing their games over at what used to be Turner Field that's Georgia State's football stadium now so they play over there um God what else do they have up they have, have had some Garth Brooks has played there. George Strait was there a while back. He played a show there. So you know the big the big artists that do the stadium tours, they uh, they That's play there. And, you know, but it's I've never been in there. I'll ne- I'll never darken the doors of that place.
1: That's unbelievable. The way the uh, breaks, well, gentlemen,
2: I'm, I'm gonna have to buy $6. out. <laughs> how much yeah. is the hockey? I don't, how much is the soccer tickets? I don't know. I've never been. I don't really know, but I'm, they're not cheap. Nothing's cheap anymore. No. The cheapest Falcon ticket now is like forty-five or fifty dollars, and that's that's at the top of the place. Plus, you have to pay the service fee for the Ticketmaster. So, you know, you might as well say $60 to go to a football game. So, I just – it wouldn't surprise – I don't know, Michael, have you ever been to a hockey – I mean, to one of them soccer games? No, I wouldn't do it for No, food. my daughter's been, but I haven't. Yeah, I wouldn't either. My God, Well, I love to
0: watch I watched them last night. They won five to nothing last night.
2: My godson Five goals just, just,
0: is a lot to, lot to score in one game. Yeah. Uh, My uh, godson is
2: on a scholarship at Reinhardt College with a soccer player. And really? once a year, I force myself to drive up to Reinhardt, which is north of Canton, up north of Atlanta here. I force myself to go up there and pay $5 to watch a college soccer game. It's like watching paint dry. I know. They, they yeah, I just, but, but you know, I go for him. He was, and he's good. He was the, uh, uh, he was he's not Division one. He's Division two, but one week last year, he was the offensive player of the of the week for the whole country. So he's good no at what kidding. he does. So, so I try to I try to go, you know, support him as best I can. Right. It's all I don't. I'm just not a soccer fan. So. Well, gentlemen, I'm gonna have to bow out. I gotta early get up
1: in the all right. morning.
2: All right, brother. All right, Jerry. Have a good great day. I, day. Boy, I know it's
0: brother.
1: a tough it's good, life. It's
0: good. Yeah,
1: it's, it's good to uh. we together. Yes, yeah. it is. I'm I'm sorry all my woes that I couldn't do it more often, but
2: hey, Bubba, you you're oh, fine. No, no,
1: no. You're fine. Well, y'all just let me know when we get ready to do it again. I will do it, sir. You stay, stay safe down well there. Do so. I will do that.
2: All right, man.
1: Y'all take care. See you, bud. Bye, All right, Jerry. Good night. Good night.
0: Bye bye. Night. Well, we didn't get around to what we wanted to talk about. I was going to say, did so we we'll ever say touch that our topic? The next show. <laughs> No, we'll do that. We'll do that next next time because I'm gonna have to get off here too. My my leg is killing me, I, and I I held off. Normally, I've had two Tylenol PMs by this time of night. Yeah, so I held off because I was afraid I'd drop drop off to sleep. But uh,
2: you got the Braves on TV uh, there in the background.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, that's why yes, you need some
2: Tylenol. <laughs> which 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 but, when Strasburg you know, hit the home run? I needed the Tylenol.
0: I figure it this way though: if we uh, if we lose every game in this this thing, we'll still be two and a half games ahead of them. So well, we put that much distance. I'm hoping I'm hoping we'll we'll add a couple more games to yeah. to our our lead. But who knows? And, and I'm yeah. anxious to see what's going to happen by the end of this month if we pull the trigger and go get a real starting pitcher or a real closer. I Hopefully heard that. both, but who knows? Yeah. All right. Well, I appreciate you guys joining us, and uh, I don't know. Uh, I'll have to look at our schedule and see what when we'll, we'll plan on the, uh, the next one. It probably won't be the first week of of August, but it'll be you know depending on what's going on with everybody's schedule, we'll go from there. So, but uh, we will get together sometime next month and do this one more time.
2: Sound like a winner.
0: All right. Well, good night, everybody. Good night. We thank you for listening to this broadcast, a production brought to you by the GWH Radio Network. Stay tuned to Georgia
1: dot com for the latest information on upcoming events and more. As always, we thank you for your continued support.